RVFTA's Campground of the Week is sponsored by Jayco. To view their complete line of RVs, visit jayco.com. And by Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. To find a campground near you, visit campjellystone.com. America the Beautiful. There is adventure to be found around every corner. And there is no better way to explore it than by staying at one of our country's 14,000 campgrounds. Our team of correspondents will guide you to the best places to park your rig or pitch your tent. On each week's episode, we'll give a complete review of one campground, location, activities, amenities, best sites, and tons of other insider intel. Plus, we'll talk about regional highlights, food, culture, attractions, family fun, and all things great outdoors. From the East Coast to the West Coast, and from the Great Lakes to the Mississippi Delta, it's time to hit the open road with RVFTA's Campground of the Week. Our fiberglass and slow cooking correspondent is Casita Dean May. Dean is a professor of social work at Western Kentucky University. Laura and Dean have been married for 35 years and have two young adult daughters, Natalie and Claire. In their journey to the empty nest, Laura and Dean discovered the RVing lifestyle and culture. In a series of fortunate events, they purchased a new-to-them 2005 Casita 17 Freedom Deluxe Egg Camper in the fall of 2015. They are particularly fond of attending egg rallies for RVers that own molded fiberglass RVs. RVs. They also travel with Gibbs, the Mississippi Maltese. Welcome back to the show, Casita Dean May. Hi, Casita Dean. Well, it is wonderful to be back. I'm excited about this review today. Hey, Dean, I think that the last time that we talked to you, you were still not an official empty nester, but now you are, right? You've launched. Well, uh, well, to tell the truth, uh, we've gone through four moves in four months, and one of those moves involved uh, Claire moving back in. Oh, okay, never mind. See, that's what—that's how it works, right? Every time you think you're just right about there, you're not really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's it's been a busy few months after uh, the sabbatical, uh, but but life is life is good. So I mean, no complaints. We're getting ready to wind down another fall semester here in about a month. I'm I'm glad to know you haven't just been ignoring us because everybody's been wondering when you were going to get back no, on one of these podcasts again. Everybody misses Dean. I was starting to take it kind of personally, like maybe Dean doesn't like us anymore. He wasn't. Hey, Don't well, listen to him, Dean. Uh, well, this is, like I said, this is probably, if I had to, in three years of camping, if I had to pick, well, definitely a top three, this is in our top three most favorite campgrounds, and arguably, I could even say our number one, but, you know, when you've been to places like uh, Fort DeSoto, uh, and, you know, and then you go to the towns in KOA, just because your access to the Great Smoky Mountains, it's hard to make any park number one, but this may be, for Laura and I, our personal number one. So tell us where it is. Tell where are you taking us this week? 
All right, so uh, Monte Sano State Park is on the edge of Huntsville, Alabama. So it's it really, it's easy to get to. It's about 110 miles south of Nashville, just off of I-65. Uh, and it's, it's very close to some other cities as well. So you've got relatively easy access to Atlanta, Birmingham, Chattanooga. And as you're going past uh, Huntsville, you'd get off on the Huntsville exit, and you're only, it's about, oh, it's probably 15 minutes once you get off of uh, I-65. And then once you're in Huntsville, the state park is located on Montesano Mountain, which is a mountain about 1,600 feet, which, you know, 1,600 feet is not a big mountain compared to, you know, East Tennessee or Western North Carolina or the Rockies. But in the state of Alabama, 1,600-foot mountains a pretty good-sized mountain. It's Mount Everest if it's in New Jersey. All right, Dean is going to take us and give us all the great details about this awesome state park, which he is saying might be his favorite campground ever. But before he does so, we got a sponsored message from our friends at Jayco. Generations of family fun. It's what Jayco's founder, Lloyd Bontrager, set out to provide nearly 50 years ago when he started the company on the family farm in 1968. Today, Jayco is focused on providing a way for families to create lasting memories. From camping trailers to Class A motorhomes and everything in between, you'll find that Jayco offers the most standard features and the best warranty in the industry. Industry, giving you the value you want and the peace of mind you deserve. Visit your local Jayco dealer or jayco.com for more information. Jayco, generations of family fun. Let's hear about this amazing campground. I want to know how this almost ranks as number one for Dean. <laughs> Dean, let's start out. Tell us about the size of the campground and the physical appearance of the campground. Okay. The uh, the campground is about, it's about 90 campsites. Uh, not including a primitive campground. They've got a primitive loop connected to uh, the main loop if if you want to do some tent camping, uh, which is about another 21 sites. So I guess I'd consider it, you know, a small, medium-sized campground. They also have some cabins. 11 of, and these are stone cabins. They're really, really cool cabins. Uh, 11 of these cabins were built by the Civilian Conservation Corps. And as I've become a, an RVer and a camper over the last three years, I am really, really preoccupied with the Civilian Conservation Corps and what that organization did to transform our country in terms of national parks and state parks. So those are some really cool cabins, too. If you need a cabin to augment your RV site, maybe have family or friends that are camping with you, I would strongly encourage you uh, to check out the uh, the cabins as well. Dean, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you promise to come back on the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast and we'll do a whole show on the CCC? Because that sounds like an awesome topic for an RVFTA episode. I would love to do that. And like I said, I, everywhere, I've gone to so many places that have been shaped by that organization. And again, looking at when the CCC was, uh, was taking care of business during the Depression, I just think it was a fascinating way that you know, sort of the country came together during a difficult time and created a lasting impression that we're still be- uh, benefiting from today. All right, it's going on the calendar. <laughs> but but anyway, we have a campground review to do. So tell us a little bit about just like that that what this looks like when you're there at the campground and the surroundings. Okay, now you're obviously uh, it's uh, it's on Monte Santo uh, Mountain, so you're going to drive up the mountain to get to the campground. 
and uh, it's it's heavily wooded. The entire state park is. Now, there are some large open areas in the state park where you could have a number of different events, and they even do festivals throughout the year. The campground itself is basically located in the woods, so it's a heavily wooded campground. On one side of the campground, it opens up a bit to a bluff in which you have some, you know, some nice pictures of this uh, or some nice scenery of the surrounding hills. But most of the sites are you're, you're basically in the woods. So, and again, you're at about 1,600 feet. We've been there a couple of times. We've been there in September, and we were there last year in November, and got and we were there while the leaves were changing, and it was absolutely gorgeous. How much is it going to cost us to camp here? I'm thinking it's probably going to be a bargain. Uh, it, it is a bargain. If you're interested in the primitive sites, they're very specific with their amount here. It's $13.39 a night, but a, a standard site would be, which is electric and water, would be $26. A premium site, which, you know, I'm always going to opt for those full hookups, and when you're only paying an extra $2 a night, you're looking at the premium sites are $28 a night, and I think these cabins are a flat-out bargain at $110 a night. Did the, do you know if the cabins have water and electricity? Or are they very primitive? Yeah. You know, really, I think they should do a little better job of their initial description. They describe them as rustic cabins. Now, when I think rustic, you know, I think of a dusty concrete floor, a room, and a couple of, of, of smelly old beds. Uh, <laughs> but uh, t- these... These cabins are full-featured. I mean, we, they have water, electric, uh, private bathroom. Uh, they Typically, they're about, I think, 600 square feet. You get a double bed and uh, maybe a pair of twins. And it even has a, a, a kitchenette with a refrigerator, a microwave, coffee pot, and they even include you know, some of your basic utensils. So they're really, they may be rustic in their appearance, but they're full-featured in terms of your ability to use them. I completely agree that that's misleading. I think of a rustic cabin as not having any water or electricity. It's just being basically like a hard-sided tent. So Sounds yeah. like they don't even want to rent it. I know. <laughs> you know there's not that immediate profit motive. Sometimes they're not as accurate as they need to be. Now, what's the reservation system for people looking to book here? And you're going to book through the Alabama State Parks online campground and cabin reservation system, which I've, you know, I've obviously used on a few occasions because we've camped in other locations at other state parks in Alabama. So it's it's easy enough to use. So I've I've, I've had no problem uh, uh, using that. So let's go into some more detail about the sites. Like, what else do we need to know about all the site options? Because there's a wide variety of choices here. Yeah, and that that is the nice thing about the state park. They have a little bit of everything. Now, most of the sites, of the 90 sites, 59 of them are going to be just electric and water. But you also, and these are the ones that Laura and I will go for, is the 15 back-in full hookup sites. But they also have some what they describe as double-buddy sites. So there's like four double-buddy sites. They have two pull-through electric water sites. They even have two pull-through full hookup sites. And, of course, they have the primitive loop. So there's another 21 sites for, for tents. Are, is there any difficulty for a big rig to get around in this campground? If somebody had like a 40-foot diesel pusher, are they going to have any issues here? 
Uh, no, you're not going to have any issues on the loop. You'd be fine with that. Of course, some of the sites are going to be larger or smaller than others. But, you know, I, but I particularly remember the times that we've been there. There have been some Class A's, but there have also been even some large travel trailers. So they can accommodate that. The one issue, and maybe we'll touch on it a little later, is you want to be, be a little strategic with your route up to the campground. But once you're in the campground, it's easy enough to negotiate. All right. Now, we know there's a huge range of amenities available when you're talking state parks. Some are simple with nothing bare bones, and then others are practically like private campgrounds these days. So where does this fall into that spectrum? You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why Laura and I like this state park so well, uh, is that it has so much to offer. Of course, you're going to have things like the, uh, the small camp store. You do have that. And, and of course, you're going to have a couple of bathhouses. And then each of the bathhouses on the loop, they have an enclosed front area that includes your wash, a couple of washers, a couple of dryers. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about this is both times that we've been there, they've had like a bookshelf inside the laundry area where people can, if you've read a book, put it on the shelf. If you want to read a book, take it off the shelf. And they even have like miscellaneous uh, uh, campground gear, maybe an extra flashlight or a frying pan or a plastic bowl that people can kind of just, if there's something you're not using, put it on the shelf. And if there's something you want to take, take it. So it's got a really nice uh, feel to it. Uh, and of course, the other thing is, you know, most state parks are going to have uh, hiking trails. So you've got 20 miles of hiking trails. But because this is on a mountain, they also have some trails that are specifically for mountain bikes. And, and when I was younger, I did a little bit of mountain biking, uh, and I have done some mountain biking there. So it is really, really nice to have, and that's very, very popular. So the entire surrounding uh, community, well, they'll bring their mountain bikes up there, and there are mountain bikes everywhere. So, uh, And then the other thing, and again, I'm not a big-time mountain biker anymore, but I still like to do that. They also have an 18-hole disc golf course, and I think, and we've got a lot of uh, disc golf courses here in Bowling Green. I love to play. I don't do it very often. Just life is too busy. But to me, there's nothing better than on a beautiful afternoon just to go out with a friend or, you know, in the case, you know, I have my brother with me, and we'll just go out and play 18 holes of disc golf. And, I mean, so you're in the woods throwing a disc and just having a a good time. So Uh, who usually wins between you and your brother? And your brother's John May, right? Shout right, out, shout out right. for him. So who, who's the better disc golf player, Dean? I'd like you to throw that down right here um, on the podcast. Well, since neither one of us are particularly good, it's, it's highly competitive. Uh, and, and really, I'm going to be honest with you, and, and, if, and if I was better, I'd have no problem admitting that. Uh, it just depends on the day. So uh, either one of us could win by three or four throws either way. So it, it truly does depend on the day because neither one of us are very good. All right. It's an even match. So. Very diplomatic <laughs> answer, Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and believe me with my brother, I have no need to be diplomatic. I'd love to be able to give him a hard time, but uh, it's, neither one of us are that good. So it, it just depends on the day. But, I mean, the disc golf is just so much fun. And it's also one of those things, you know, a little older, a little younger, everybody can get out there and just have a good time doing that. And plus, compared to regular golf, much less expensive, much less, it's not as stressful, not as time-consuming, and you can just go out and walk, and, have, and you're in the woods, you know, playing a game. It's a lot of fun. 
Now, there's also some things to do in the evening there, right? What else do we have? This is kind of a surprise. Yes, this uh, state park has its own planetarium and observatory, and it's part of the uh, uh, Von Braun Astronomical Society. And because you've got a mountain there, it's a great location to have a planetarium and observatory. So you can go, and they're usually open on a Saturday night. You can go on a Saturday night. They'll, and I think like right now, the showings are at 7:30. It lasts about an hour, and I mean, it's a wonderful. And I, you know, I'm kind of one of those. Over the years, if I get a chance to go to a planetarium, I love to go to a planetarium. And this is one of these things you can you can walk to it from the campground loop, uh, kind of cut through and check out a show. It's $5 for adults. It's $3 for kids. And if it's on a clear night after the show's over with, the, uh, the local astronomers will, you know, let you and the kids look through the telescopes and hang out for, you know, however long you want to hang out after the planetarium show is over with. So it's really nice. Dean, this sounds like such a family-friendly campground. Now, I know you weren't traveling here with little ones. But I would imagine this has to be a popular place for families with young kids taking their RVs or going to rent a cabin. Oh, yeah, there's a definitely, like I said, there's a lot of energy. And when I say energy, I don't mean crowded uh, hustle and bustle, that type of thing. But there's a lot of energy because you've got the sort of the young hipsters doing the, the mountain biking thing. You've got families. And of course, you've always got, you know, older couples that are RVing and stuff. But there's a lot of energy and a lot of activity at this, uh, at the state park. And again, it's uh, one of the other things. They have this uh, Monte uh, Sano event lodge, a beautiful lodge that will, they'll, they'll do weddings. Uh, you could even have maybe even small conferences there, that type of thing. They have a number of pavilions. So there's a lot of positive vibe uh, in that in that state park. And Dean, people travel far and wide for the CCC Museum and Memorial, right? I mean, people fly in from all over the <laughs> well, world. That's probably what got Dean uh, even yeah. more interested yeah. in this topic, right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I've been to a lot of the different parts. Now, I have to admit, this is this is a fairly small museum and memorial. It's it's down at the the head of one of of, of one of the hiking trails. But there's it's you, it's staffed by someone. You can go in. You can kind of check things out a little bit. And like I said, I will always in, go out of my way to find the history of this park as it's connected to uh, to the to the CCC. So it does have a small museum in the memorial there that's uh it's definitely worth checking out i mean it's kind of one of those things you're not going to go to it just as a afternoon destination it's going to be oh you're going to swing in before your hike or after your hike and check it out all right so tell us were you able to get on that ipad and do a little night browsing while you were there or what's the wi-fi situation uh bring a book uh (laughs) that's a great recommendation (laughs) yeah yeah, no, no. The cell phone service center on a mountain was was fine. I, I still wouldn't call it great. The cell phone service was fine, though. But Wi-Fi, non-existent. You could go up to the campground store and sit on the bench just outside of the campground store and, and maybe check email. But you know, it, it's, it, it's pretty limited when it comes to that. All right, how was customer service? Did you have much interaction with staff at a campground like this? 
Oh, well, I mean, not in terms of the reservations, but, of course, during the check-in, uh, you do. And then, of course, you're just sort of in and out throughout your stay. So, you know, uh, very helpful. And it was type of thing, if you want to ask somebody about maybe a place to eat or what should I check out or we're thinking about going to the botanical gardens, you know, what do you think? So they're very helpful with that type of stuff. So I found the, uh, the campground uh, staff to be uh, very supportive and the park staff to be very pleasant, very nice to interact with. All right. So this is one of your favorite places. So I'm sure you have some insider details for folks that are going to give them like the best possible experience here. What do you have? Okay. Now this was, we've been there a couple of times and we've probably entered the state park or the top of the mountain from a variety of different directions, depending on what we're doing in Huntsville. Laura and I also have a couple of years ago for Christmas, we bought ourselves a really nice RV GPS, one of the, the popular Garmin upper end RV GPSs. The issue I have with that is when I program in the parameters of my my little casita, it doesn't really, and really to tell the truth in terms of my length and height and width and all that type of thing, I don't think the RV GPS even recognizes my little trailer as an RV. Uh, so I remember one of our days going in there, we were, we ended up somehow in a neighborhood and we literally went straight up the side of the mountain and then made a left into the, uh, the, the, the state park. So one of the things that maybe I'd be a little careful of is that you have some different ways to get on the mountain. And again, it's only 1,600 feet. We're not talking a giant mountain here. But one of the ways is relatively easy. One of the ways you're going to have some switchbacks, and it's going to get a little wild, a little squirrely, but it's beautiful to go into the park that way. But I would definitely avoid the route that takes you through a neighborhood straight up the side of the mountain, which I did do in the Borrego and the Casita, but I wouldn't recommend it with a 35-foot-long travel trailer. Unfortunately, you're not the first one that I've heard that from about the RV GPS. None, just there is not that golden recommendation no, out there for the RV no, GPS. Everybody seems to have some problems. All right, Dean, no RV GPS is perfect. And we know, also know that no campground is perfect. So we know you love and adore this place, but what could be improved within reason? And like I said, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this one because at $28 a night and then everything I've just described and you're only six miles from downtown Huntsville, it, it's tough. But really, to tell the truth, I, I, I guess I could nitpick a little bit with the campground store. It's, it's, it's small. It's basically the size of a, maybe an oversized, what I'd call an oversized shed. Uh, and I think one of the reasons it's not quite as full-featured in terms of you know, all of the groceries and this and that is because you can leave this rustic, beautiful state park, and six miles later be in downtown Huntsville. So it's not necessary for it to be full-featured. But, you know, out of convenience, there are times that maybe you'd like to have a, a little more access to, uh, I don't know, ketchup, bread. They do sell beer, though, which is kind of uh, interesting. Oh, my gosh. I'm fine. All right, so yeah, then we're good I'm, with the camp store. We're not going to pick on you that. You know what, though, I have to say, <laughs> I used to, uh, when we first started RVing, I used to get annoyed when we'd go to a state park or a national park and they wouldn't sell milk or they wouldn't sell ketchup at the camp store. But then we interviewed a ranger one year, and she pointed out to me that philosophically a lot of the um, federal campgrounds, NPS campgrounds, 
do not want to sell things like that in their camp stores because they want you to go and spend your money in the community. And and I that really impressed me. Like, wow, there's actually a lot of thought behind this. They're not just being lazy. So I don't know that's the case at this CCC campground, but I'm wondering if that was part of the ethos of the time to not pull business away from the community and by having a fully stocked camp store. So it made me think about right. it again. So, but th- I mean, seriously, that's it. That's about all I could you know, come up with that there would be a time or two that it'd be nice just to go a few hundred yards to the campground store because you forgot whatever, and you may have to make a run downtown for that, but that's about it. All right, Dean's going to come back in a second and give us some great regional highlights, and he always knocks it out of the park with all the best recommendations, but before he does that, we have a sponsored message from Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. Award-winning Jellystone Parks have everything your family needs to make long-lasting camping memories. Whether you're an RV owner, you enjoy the comforts of a cabin, or you prefer tent camping, Jellystone Parks have first-rate accommodations, amenities, and activities. And now is a really good time of the year to learn that there are over 30 Jellystones that are open year-round. And we're not just talking about those you know, far southern states like Texas or Florida. We're talking Missouri, Illinois, North Carolina. Carolina, many more. Um, there really just are year more and more year-round campgrounds all over the country, and it's a great option, especially we love the cabin option in that off-season. Like We've really been doing that more and more where the RV might be winterized. We don't want to take it out on maybe potentially icy roads, but we can just go and stay in a cabin for the weekend, and it really just helps that winter fly by. And we love Jellystone cabins. I mean, in terms of what's yeah. out there in the world of, mm-hmm. of cabins yeah. at campgrounds, Jellystone is hitting it out of the park. They have really nice cabins. Now, Dean actually reviewed one of these year-round campgrounds a while ago, Mammoth Cave. So Cave City, Jellystone is open year-round. And caves are a standard temperature. They're a steady temperature year-round, no matter what's going on in the outside. So in a way, it's kind of a fun trip to make in the off-season. And Dean and Yogi Bear are really... flying off the cuff here. <laughs> Dean and Yogi Bear really struck up a little bit of a bromance, but we won't go they into did. that right now. <laughs> All right, I want to just say that they have a nice page over at campjellystone.com. If you search year-round campgrounds in their little search bar, there is a page that has a list of every single campground that's open year-round. So I found that helpful to explore. All right. Dean, I love when you do regional highlights. So let's go. Take us uh, to Huntsville. It's very, it's always very diverse. Right? When well, Dean well, takes Dean, us to a Dean place. Dean finds the best stuff, whether <laughs> it's food or museums or whatever, he brings the best. So, what do you got? Right, now, and again, this is one of those I feel as if uh, I could have said so much more. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why Laura and I like this so well. I mean, we can sometimes, we'll go to a state park, spend a long weekend, and never leave the state park. Maybe go to the lodge and have dinner one night. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're even cooking our meals, you know, at our campsite. But I've also discovered we really like uh, that, that, that campground where you have access to a, a really cool town or city or whatever the case may be. Huntsville is about 180,000 people. So, I mean, it's a legit small city. So it's got a lot to offer. So right now, you know, Huntsville is the third largest city in the state of Alabama. And just some real quick history here. Prior to 1940, it was, you know, a small town. But because of World War II, the United States Army uh, picked Huntsville as its location for some of its munition plants and arsenals. And that set the stage for even current Huntsville because 
with that presence later on, as we got into, you know, the Korean conflict in the 1950s, we start, that was a site that was uh, dedicated for missile development. And then as we got into the 50s and 60s, it was an area that was really dedicated for space flight. And even today, it's even broadened that base beyond sort of science into the whole biotech field. So you also have uh, the University of Alabama Huntsville there that is also kind of in that synergy with all of the technology that's there. So Huntsville, its nickname is uh, Rocket City. Uh, so you have this sort of kind of modern but small city, but at the same time it's a southern city that Huntsville also has the largest number and largest concentration of antebellum homes in the state of Alabama. So it is really, really a, a fun place to visit. We call him Casita Dean, but we also call him Ph. Dean. And there's a reason for that. Because homie brings the research, man. This He's is a, great. So we have a professor. What, we have a professor here. And I love that we have a professor researching a campgrounds lesson. for us. A mini so where are some of the specific places we can go to kind of dive into that history? Well, based on what I just said, you absolutely have to go to the uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Uh, it is a destination in and of itself. And also, I'll also mention, I don't mind uh, saying this at all, there's a, there is an RV park very close to that. So if you were maybe doing a quick trip, just wanted to come in for a night or so, you could check out that RV park uh, as well. Uh, this is one of these places, uh, it, admission for adults will be $25. For kids, it'll be about $17. They've got indoor exhibits related to uh, rockets and even and the space shuttles. They have outdoor exhibits you have guided tours there's and then they'll even bring in traveling exhibits that may be moving from location to location so it's the type of place you can go back to more than once because it'll look a little different and again for kids they have a lot of hands-on demonstrations and they also even have simulators so rocket simulators that you can uh that you can check out. Uh, Max and Thea would love this. I'm sorry. I mean, they, they just, the oh, boys yeah. would love this. Yeah, they really, it sounds like this, they had the simulators at the Smithsonian, you know, Air and Space Museum in Washington, and they loved that that was their favorite part. So <laughs> those are really fun for kids. Right. And, and they have a couple of other things that in addition to your admission, if you want a fuller experience, you can do a, uh, a bus tour, which is about a two, two and a half hour bus tour, taking you through the whole uh, Marshall Space Flight Center. And uh, that's, a, that's $20 a ticket. And they also are running movies. There's a, probably 8, 10, 12 different movies uh, that, that they, depending upon the day that you're there, and if you would want to take in, and, and these are just you know, beautiful, the cinematography associated with these movies is wonderful, and you're looking at about 7 or $8 a ticket, and most of the movies are probably anywhere from, a, uh, I would say, a half hour to 75 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, so again, that is, that's the type of place you can go back to more than once, and you can easily spend a day there. You could still get a, a nice little cross-section and a half day, uh, but it would be really nice to spend a, uh, to spend a day at the uh, Space and Rocket Center. I'm thinking I would do a morning there or save that for a rainy day, but your next recommendation, I think, sounds like if it's like a really lovely spring day or a lovely fall day, you might want to head to the Botanical Garden. So tell us about that. Uh, well, and talk about beautiful. When Laura and I were there in November, 
And, you know, November in North Alabama, uh, most of the time is that, that's a gorgeous time to be there. Well, you know, it, it's cool, but comfortable, just a great, it's, as opposed to being in Alabama in July or August, and it's, you know, 95 degrees and 95% humidity. Uh, November's a beautiful time. And the Huntsville Botanical Gardens, just the garden's beautiful. The structures, uh, the buildings are beautiful. The sculptures are beautiful. And that's another place easily can spend a good solid half day. And again, that's going to be the type of thing. If you've got kids and stuff like that, they're going to get out and enjoy it. But sooner or later, they, you know, kids may need uh, something that's going to stimulate them a little more. But there's really even quite a bit to do there for for kids. Uh, Tickets for that would be $14 for adults and uh, $9 for kids. Dean, now we've come to the part of our show where we talk about beer and barbecue. Are you ready? This is like a guarantee. It's like a guarantee. (laughs) It's a a specific segment of Campground of the Week with uh, Casita Dean. All right, beer and barbecue, go. (laughs) Well, and this is what we could probably do an entire episode on on beer and barbecue just in Huntsville, Alabama. You're probably looking at 10 to 12 different breweries in and around uh, Huntsville, and they even have the, the Huntsville Craft Beer Trail. Uh, and you can collect tokens and, uh, you know, visit and, and collect all the tokens. And I, I don't know if you get some type of T-shirt or some type of a, a prize. We went to a couple. Uh, we went to a Below the Radar Brewery and Restaurant. That has a little bit more of a pub feel to it. It's downtown and, you know, nice, great food, good beer. And then we went to another one out on the edge of town. I really, really like this place. It's a yellow, yellow hammer brewing and it's under one roof, but most of it is the brewery, but they also have earth and stone wood fired pizza under the same roof. So you can go get your pizza, sit indoors, sit outdoors in covered seating. It's gorgeous. And the beer selection at Yellowhammer is it's off the hook. So it's a an amazing place to go, eat some pizza, drink some beer, sit out under a, a covered, you know, you got a picnic table, and very family friendly as well. So just really, really nice. For the uninitiated, maybe for some of us uh, northeasterners, can you fill us in on the Yellowhammer situation? Well, you know, well to tell the truth, there's so I I was so busy looking at all the different breweries, and I I got a confession to make. I was not familiar familiar with Yellowhammer until uh, I was in Huntsville, and uh, so I don't know a lot of details about Yellowhammer other than it's a great place to drink beer, and and again a wonderful cross section. I mean, they probably have you know twelve to fifteen beers on draft, and uh, great staff that you know they don't mind talking to you about the beers and but you can get flights and you know you know that that type of thing so beyond that i just enjoyed the beer and pizza take us for some barbecue we're hungry uh, all right so i've eaten barbecue in huntsville but again it's another one of those things they have the north alabama barbecue trail so you can hit all of these barbecue joints i usually try to the the first time we were there and i'll say this real quick there was supposed to be a small egg rally. As it turned out, it was Laura and I, a, another, another egg camper, another egg camper, and then my brother and his wife showed up. <laughs> so the whole, the, the whole rally consisted of really, uh, what would that be, four campers. That was it. 
It was so much fun. We ended up doing a seafood boil one night and just spread it out on the uh, the picnic table there at the campground. And we would all get together in like, you know, maybe one or two vehicles and go to downtown, you know, Huntsville to, you know, drink beer, or eat barbecue. So our one uh, egg camper buddy, his nickname is Shorty. He's retired Army, really cool dude. Uh, and, he, and he's from just outside of Huntsville, from the, you know, the county. I think it's Madison County. He said, you got to go to Big Cove Barbecue. And this is a glorified shack that puts out the best barbecue. And while you're eating barbecue, there's going to be some local guy jamming the blues on his guitar or whatever the case may be while you're eating uh, barbecue. So I, and there's tons of places to eat barbecue, but I would definitely recommend, if you want the recommendation of a local, then definitely hit Big Cove Barbecue. All right, Dean. The next one I would definitely go to and drop some money here. So tell us about the oldest hardware store in Huntsville. Well, they, it's in it's in downtown Huntsville, and they've uh, when I say they they've renovated, I don't mean they've renovated it to be contemporary. I guess there's probably a, an appropriate term for that. They've maintained its its historic uh, uh, architecture, and it's just downtown Huntsville. Really cool store. I think it's it may actually be owned by the city or the county now, uh, as far as. Uh, them running it because it's 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 a historic uh, landmark in Huntsville. So that's another one of those things that after you've gone to Below the Radar Brewery or maybe perhaps maybe beforehand, you you can go into a place like that. You know you know spend a half hour, spend an hour just sort of checking it out. So it, I think the uh, the hardware store is probably built in the mid 1880s, about that time period. All right. Is there anything else that we want to add to our punch list before we plan our trip here? Well, maybe just a couple of other a couple of other things I want want to mention. Uh, again, this is a historic town, so some beautiful neighborhoods. So they have an area called Constitution Village, and they have a museum there that kind of gives you a little bit of history of the area. And there's also a really nice area. Laura and I did a lot of walking. It's called the Twickenham Historic District, and that's the area that has the largest collection of antebellum homes in Alabama. So you can just walk, walk around and look at these absolutely gorgeous homes. And again, it's kind of one of those things. You can go, you can be on this beautiful, rustic campground on top of the mountain, come downtown, look at this really cool uh, hardware store, grab some lunch, have a beer, and then just afterward, just spend the afternoon walking around looking at these beautiful antebellum homes. So to me, I think this, that's the reason why it's one of our favorite places to go to because it's great camping, yet it's great sightseeing and, and, and just a, a really nice place to, to spend a long weekend. Well, Dean, thank you so much for another great campground review. Not only did you introduce us to a new state park, but I mean, you really put a new place on the map for me, you know, in terms of just always having those new places that you're looking forward to exploring in the future. Carrie well, Cox from Travels with Birdie has done this for Arkansas and you've now done this for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like, I just cannot wait to take an extensive RV trip. And part of the problem for us is our time is off in the summer. In the summer, when it's so we don't want to go there. <laughs> so I just feel like it's like when are we going to get there? Yeah, it's you know? tricky. Yeah, but so. Dean, thank you so much, yeah. and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Hey, Dean, at see the you at campground. the campground. Hey, looking forward to it.